0: We're looking for two oil boys who can grease us up before each competition.
1: You do the thing you're scared shitless of, and you get the courage after you do it. That's the way it works. That's the dumbass way to work. It should be the other way around. You'll have to excuse
0: my friend. The town is back that way. You should make a radical change in your lifestyle. I mean, the core of man's spirit comes from new experiences.
1: That's the way it works. Don't worry, we'll catch our break too. gotta
0: keep our eyes open hello and welcome back to the 46th episode of the looks like we're lost podcast i'm dustin radazel and joining me is a man who doesn't think 13 seconds is all that long to score it's tommy cooksey
1: (laughs) Oh, uh, you know, it was pointed out to me today and for yeah, obviously most people that are listening to this probably watched a little bit of football, um, Patrick Mahomes with the miraculous comeback with 13 seconds left, uh, it was pointed out, it was pointed out to me. So Dusty is a, a rampant Chiefs fan. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm a dignified, especially when they're good. I'm a dignified Dallas Cowboys fan. And uh, it was pointed out that uh, Patrick Mahomes drove down and set up a field goal in less time than it took Dak to run one play <laughs> and not yeah. even have a shot at the end zone. Um, which I is, just heard know, that today. Yeah, let's see. Patrick Mahomes famously $500 million contract. Uh, let's see. What was Dak Prescott's contract? Four year. It's be in the neighborhood. This says four year, hundred and sixty million. Yeah, it's about the same, forty million a year. Yeah, I guess Jerry didn't want to didn't want to make the long term commitment. You know, th- this is what happens when you know you get the the Walmart version of uh, of Mahomes. You get one play that I runs mean, fifteen seconds, and that's it. You're being
0: you're being pretty hard on Dak. I don't now, think that. I don't think the system does deck any favors, but you know, we don't need to go like deep into
1: football game theory. I don't think we could. We we'd get surface level. We we could pretty much say what the pundits say <laughs> like mm-hmm. and uh I'm about at the level of Tony Romo's jokes. Like I can't get <laughs> into the why.
0: I would love to be like uh you know, not a, not an NFL podcaster because those guys have to know a lot of stuff. Like, yep. you know, I hear, you know, I'm I'm a casual fan during the regular season, and then I get really into it, like listening to every podcast during the playoffs. Naturally, and yeah. like I'm having to look up acronyms like EPA, DVOA, like the advanced analytics have left me behind. But I could easily be one of the Sunday morning ex-players on the show yeah Who says things like this game was just about who wanted it more
1: <laughs> yeah you you can really like, tell hell, that this yeah, guy has a strong grasp on the locker room a real leader in the locker room yeah yeah no i can Gosh, that's about, about the extent of mine um yeah foot football it took me a week and a half to rebound but it was it was good to watch the games this week but uh Hey, look, man. Dude, that Chiefs game, when when the Chiefs were
0: down with 13 seconds left, I was already, like, cycling through my practices about, like, letting go of things that don't serve you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I was doing I was, breathing I was exercises. Trying,
0: I was just trying to get my head around it. I was like, this has been a crazy game. I'm devastated. And then it swung the other way. And I never really understood this thing about having, like, sports heroes, right? Yeah. It's like, to me, even even as a kid, that seemed like, uh, I don't know, silly, right? It's like, it's just a game. And I think, actually, what the reason I am that way is because I grew up watching the Chiefs and the Royals. All right. And... You just never expected them to get it done, you know. Like one AFC championship with Montana when I was like seven. Yep. And and then it was just failure. Uh, and I think if I had been a kid with someone like Patrick Mahomes, I get it yeah. because, I, like, I was thinking about this before the game, and I was talking to Katie about it. I think I might have texted you something similar after the game. But I was telling Katie before the game, like, I think I get it because, like, what is a hero if not somebody who comes through every time? Like, in spite of the, the obstacles, like, you have expectations for them, and they are there for you. They get it done. Mm-hmm. It's like the thing we, we probably all want to be as dads, like the guy who always came through. And like Patrick Mahomes is like the first sports version of that in my life where like you know, before the game starts, like is how are they gonna play? He's had kind of an up and down year and he's nails. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it wouldn't even have mattered if they had won. It's like he did everything you could do. Like that that game was a toss up by the end. But then they do win. And yeah. it's like, oh, like this is it. Like there, There's one thing in my life
1: that I know is going to be like, it's you know, going to be solid. It's going to be consistent. And it's this guy. There's a reason. So growing up in Maryland, everybody, you know, that paid attention to baseball because, be- I mean, hey, look, baseball used to actually be popular. <laughs> it used to be like the number one sport um, that, you know, Ripken Jr. was that guy. I mean, he mm-hmm. literally showed up. Every single day, like if you were going to go to a game, you didn't have to say, I wonder if he's going to play today. It's like MJ, yeah. you knew he was going to play and you knew he was going to put on, Um, you know, unfortunately, Cal got a ring like in like 83. Um, He was just celebrating, pre-celebrating pre- my <laughs> birth. Um, But, you know, they were they were pretty. Uh, the Orioles were competitive in the mid to late 90s. So, you know, yeah. you, you had a team that you could pull for that, you know, had a guy that was always going to play. Um, but it also starts, I mean, you're you're probably getting uh, that sense now of, like, why Patriots fans who bleed the Patriots are like, when Tom Brady wins, you know, with the Bucs, are like, hey, I'm all right with that. That's cool. Oh, like, yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I totally understand the loyalty that that, that engenders a lot better. Even just in a few years of Mahomes. Like, going on for nearly two decades, like, that's got to be a really strong bond you form with this idea of a
1: person. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. So, you know, those
0: mid 90s Orioles teams had some great players. Yeah, don't even say it Mike Messina, (laughs) (laughs) Lee Smith.
1: (laughs) Lee Smith. 18 years. For those who don't know.
0: Yeah, Lee Smith, maybe the greatest player ever to wear the number forty-six,
1: uh, as ranked you know, by. We, I think I don't know what that magazine was. I looked it up. I don't remember. But yeah. Well, you
0: know, I I normally don't like to give people such a you know an inside baseball look, the the peek behind the curtain of how we run the show here. It looks like we're lost, but you know. We like to have a little something on the intro. There we were go. coming back out of a hiatus. Uh what episode is it? Forty six? Ah it's come on. What's gosh man, it'd be great if it was MJ forty five. Yep. No nope. it it's not. <laughs> Any good players ever have forty <laughs> <laughs> six?
1: The the is no. The consensus is no, no they no been. they have not. No, they haven't. Um
0: you were hoping for like a great fullback, like a Moose Johnson.
1: I think even forty-seven was like John Lynch or something, someone like that. Like, oh well. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're rambling on about numbers. Uh, you know, the, it, how does it feel though to go from the darling of the NFL to kind of everybody wants you to lose now? Like, everybody it's, wants uh, the Bengals to win.
0: I You know what? I only recently became aware of this, like, in the backlash to the Bills game. And, like, I could kind of tell in the conversation, like, people wanted the Bills to win. And I always hated the Patriots. And I'm only now starting to think maybe that was unfair of me. Yep. Right, right. exactly. But they just seemed hateable, right? And I thought it was different because, like... You know, Mahomes is over here putting ketchup on steaks. He's got a <laughs> a handful of a brother that's, like, dragging him down.
1: Oh, no, man. Oh, this... Jackson with the dances. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: it's not this uh, this perfect-looking man married to a perfect-looking woman trying to tell you, like, the secret to longevity is drinking water. Yeah. And, you know, getting into weird... Scandals that suck the life out of ESPN about how much air is in football. Like I thought there was something more inherently dislikable about the Patriots. But maybe no. I think if you're just good enough long enough, then people want you to fail. They want to see the turn.
1: I mean Like there's no story arc to sustained greatness. As a as a Cowboys fan. I just live this nightmare over and over. And I only really got to experience glory when I was like, you know, nine years old. (laughs) That's that's the last time, really. I mean, you know, I I look at, you know, the the um, the fondness for like a Mahomes or Brady and, and those guys. And it's absolutely I get it because the Cowboys had a guy from Eastern Illinois University, Tony Romo, who was. Oh, yeah. Like he got so much flack. And I can never like just all around seems like a good guy. Dated mm-hmm. some really attractive, you know, country singers. And That's where it know. turned on him.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. America's jealousy could not be contained. They were like, he's not even that good looking. I think mean, he's a handsome man. But now he's doing uh, Sketcher shape up commercials. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it all worked out for him. There this he is. is. And You know, really,
0: like, that's – I kind of feel like Romo did it right, too. Like, he was never going to be an all-time great quarterback. He was good. Yeah. Right? But he used this brief moment of spotlight to date Carrie Underwood and prime Jessica Simpson, which is, you know, take your swings, shoot your shot. And then, like, he settled into a family life. He's got a good TV gig, you know. People love him on TV. It all – yeah, he didn't play that long. Probably not too beat up. Maybe
1: seems great. <laughs> I don't know his ba- maybe. Yeah, like his back was broken, so that's a that's not a, that's a pretty big thing.
0: Yeah, let's watch the the commentary degrade. Yeah, right. Over the years. Yeah, and yeah. Everybody's like, oh, maybe a few more shots than we thought. I will say this: the the dislikeability thing about sustained excellence in the NFL. It does seem to be unique to the NFL, and maybe that's like demographics, maybe it's the team sport nature of it, maybe it's the fact that it's like higher variability, but people don't seem to turn on figures in the same way, like in the NBA. Like Michael Jordan, sustained excellence, people like him, Steph Curry, same way. Uh, there LeBron's always been a lightning rod. Yeah, po- there are that's pockets he's of haters been jumping
1: cities. Yeah, there are po- there's pockets of haters, but not like a universal hatred.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it seems to be like a different thing. So, I don't
1: know. I most do people, think that, most uh, people hate the Lakers, people, right? Most people hate the Lakers. Most people hate the Yankees.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. The big names. There does seem to be more like loyalty to the laundry and the. In the NFL, though. Like, in the NBA, you can be a LeBron fan. Right. But in the NFL, you're not a player fan. You're a team fan. Gotta be, yeah. You know?
1: It's very tribal,
0: isn't it? Oh, which, to me, is one of the best things about it. Like, we were talking about the devastation, right? Your Cowboys lose. You put all this emotion uh, into it. And, like, I'm going to care. Yeah. And then they lose. And it's, it's devastating. But... You really can't, like, get all of that unless you buy into it the same way everyone else is. And to do that, you have to make it part of your identity. Like, you won't get the benefit if you just, like, completely emotionally detach from it and be like, yeah, I'm not going to let this bother me when they lose. You don't get the rush when they win. Right. It's like emotional gambling. I had that feeling. It's
1: funny you say that because I had that feeling when, uh, like, my, my friends back in Maryland are all big time uh, Washington Capitals fans and so when they won the Stanley Cup uh gosh it's been probably f- three four maybe five years ago now they were like on cloud nine they were they, they might have went to the parade they were I mean they were amped and I watched and I was like I was excited I was pumped I was happy for them. you know finally my hometown gets a title but I wasn't like unable to go to bed because I was so excited But I also didn't ride the wave like I didn't I didn't watch 82 games or whatever it is and and experience the disappointment. I just watched the playoffs. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. the Cowboys have always been different. I've always tried to watch as many games as I could. I ride the wave. And this year I said, I'm going in and I'm glad I'm glad we texted after the game because it put it into some uh, frame of mind for me like. Yeah. You know, you can't experience the excitement and the fun. Like my brother and I went to a game this season and they beat the Falcons like 54 to six or something like they scored every possible way. And almost every score was in the end zone by which we were sitting. So like we got up close and personal and like, you know, it was one of the funnest, you know, the most enjoyable like things I've ever done with my brother. Um, Mm. But, you know, you don't buy in like that then you also don't have to experience the gut-wrenching disappointment when you watch them, you know, beat themselves on the big stage. But, hey, whatever. I'm still alive. I'm still okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think the way to do it, and this is very difficult, but, like, if they're good, roll the dice, you know? Just go in. You'll You'll get more highs than lows. And if they're bad, it's time to, like, disconnect and forget about, like, proving that you're a fan of your team. And you know what? This season, probably not watching very much football. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, there will be extra work when they come back around. And maybe you get a few fingers pointed at you about, like, being a bandwagon
1: fan. But yeah. it's the best way to do it. Yeah. If, like, if someone, someone's, like, we were trying to go through some of the quarterback names from the Cowboys from, like, uh Say around two thousand four ish to two to mm. Romo, and may, may, maybe yep. like maybe more like ninety nine, the end of Aikman to the start of Romo, um, oh and it's a cast of characters, man. Drew Henson, Quincy Carter, oh, yeah. uh, Drew Bledsoe was in there. I think John, I maybe remember. John Kitna was in there. Yeah, no. Romo Romo did to Bledsoe what. Um, Tom Brady did the Bledsoe. He got hurt. They were like, go in. But anyway. Just being so, the
0: guy before the guy.
1: They, you know, everyone's got to be the guy before. Buck Showalter is, has been the guy before the guy. What's that? Uh, good luck, Chuck? Right. Yeah. Good luck, the, Chuck. Exactly. Yeah. That, who's that? Is it Kevin James? It's uh, Dane Cook. Oh, Dane Cook. Wow. I was way off. I knew it was a comedian. I didn't oh, know wow. it was a bad comedian, though. Well, yeah, you know, he had a good heyday. It's he, he subjective. Was good. He was good in his prime. <laughs> he was good in his prime. Well, so so speaking of the, of uh, going all in, why don't you tell mm. the people about your marathon run? Because yeah. maybe it went. Maybe there's some positives to glean from it. Have you had enough time to process it?
0: Yeah, I have, and there are a ton of positives, and it's it's funny because I was thinking about this Bills loss, and to me. Like, you know, there's there's, there's no way to deal with that if you're a Bills fan and you've, you lost the Chiefs the year before and you went all in and they were very public about, like, hey, that's the team we're here to beat. And they played as well as they could have played. They did everything they could do is the point. Yep. And mm. nothing to be ashamed of. They left it all out there on the field, but still they lost, right? You know, it's like – they're probably just, like, staring off into the cold Buffalo winter, wondering why bad things happen to good people.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just nothing to be done.
0: And then I was listening to this podcast, you know, trying to get all my chiefs. I'm like, I'm full in. Oh, on, yeah, dude. Yeah, you're just. I'm just doping going, up right now. Yeah. yeah it's it's just a, a chief's bender over here. I don't blame and you. And they're, they're talking about. uh you know, what What can you possibly do if you're the Bills? Well, it, it's going to hurt for a while. And then you pick up and you retool and you try again next season. And it's like all the stuff that seems silly, like they just wanted it more. Like it's actually it's all about mental toughness and actual toughness. And it's not actually silly. It's like it's the truth. It's all you can do if that is the life you live as a football player. And so they're going to pull it together and they're going to come back next season and maybe that'll be the one. And I was thinking about that in relation to my marathon because like, it takes a long time. It is a full season of training. Yeah. Like you set it up, you set this goal and like four to six months pass and then it's time to see what happens. And so... The bottom line is I ran my best marathon ever. I've only done two, but I was 12 minutes faster than the last one. Uh, and the, the downside is like I ran it in 4.11. I really wanted to run it under four. And when I was 16 miles in, like I knew the fitness was there. Like I felt strong. I hadn't been winded. Not so much as like, Not a stitch, not a not a hard breath, not a I can't I need to slow down. Not a doubt in my mind for sixteen plus miles. And then like I felt that first little hitch in the back of the hamstring. I was like, oh and it's in your head. You try to adjust your form, like I'm gonna lean more on the quads, not kick so hard and that works for a while right like you survive for about 3 miles keeping it in a pace that can get you where you need to be but then by mile 19 20 you're off the rails i'm running 11 minute miles i'm bleeding out my nipples <laughs> which is oh just unfortunate <laughs> yeah it was just and so uh, terrible. <laughs> and you're stiff legging it and like also you're watching that you know, it's a 909 pace yeah. per mile. You yeah. need to run under four. And I'm watching this 846 on my watch just like slowly as the slow miles build turned 847, 848. Yeah. Eight, and like over the course of those miles, you see it hit 909 and you know you can't turn it up. And it's like, well, there it goes. Yeah, And so you're negotiating with your body trying to push and... And I guess for in that regard, I'm glad, but I made some errors in my fueling, and maybe some errors in not building more of a like a longer term running base before I ramped up. I don't know, you know it's like you live and you learn you come back next season, so I was talking to Katie, and I was like, "You know if I ever run another." what am I saying? Like, I know I'm going to run another one. Like yeah. it, it's in me now. Like I'll, I'm going to get the itch. I'm going to build back up. But, uh, but yeah, I, all in all, I'm, I'm happy with it. I definitely learned some lessons about like what my body needs. Like I'm a big guy. I lose a lot of fluids when I'm running and like the standard recommendations about like sodium intake are probably way beneath what I need. Are you just like considering taking, like, like, I that, I like sodium
1: those. tablets or something? Or are you like eating a bunch of French fries or chips or something?
0: There's like uh in-race salt pills. I probably need to take to balance out my, my sodium levels. Yeah. Uh, what but, kind of you know, what kind of faces I need to
1: what kind of faces are you making when these cramps start to hit like are oh. are you are you making these faces to let people that are on the side know like this isn't my best <laughs> like so
0: <laughs> no. No, <laughs> at that point at that point you're in good company like okay everybody people, running that same pace is like, are, ah. <sighs> oh yeah yeah the people who are running well are in front of you. Like, yeah. over the course of 20 miles, you find your people. They're around you, right? Yeah. So, yeah. you're kind of all in that same stage. And, like, it was not uncommon to to be running and just, like, seeing a person. You know, they throw their hand up in the air to let you know they're about to stop so you don't run into the back of them. Yeah. And, like, peel off with, like, a gimp in their calf or something. Mm. So, it happens. You know, the the downside of getting to that point, and this is kind of even connected to the football overtime argument people are making, like, should they change the football overtime rules? When you get to, like, you've tapped out your resources, like, the likelihood of hurting yourself and getting injured increases exponentially, Mm. right? So I've already, like, I've, I've butchered my form to prevent harsher cramping. And so, like, those last four to six miles. I'm basically like not bending my ankles and hips and I'm just slamming all my weight into my ankle through my heel. And I'm just doing that for four miles is like trying to keep up the pace and you just batter your joints. And like, it's a, it's a dangerous point to be in that, that last phase when everything's gone and it's like, well, no, you're going to keep on going. So, I'm still dealing with the repercussions here. It's January 25th as we're recording. I ran that race on the ninth. I've still got soreness in my left foot. I ran, I went for a five mile run today. Like, you know, my hip flexors still not right yet on my left side. So by you know, chance, it, it's, by it's chance, were you, me, were you running down
1: more. by chance? Were you running down Oberlin today? Say around three o'clock. Uh, okay. No. Just another, tall, down. just another tall dude running. <laughs>
0: Hillsborough, downtown. There you go. But, you know, the the one thing I will say, um, one, zero regrets. It was an awesome experience. Disney was great. Like, Katie and I had a blast. Katie ran awesome. She ran 428, which nice. her first marathon ever. And, like, she started her training, like, six months after giving birth.
1: Yeah. Right. It's so and, impressive. And so,
0: she, yeah, she ran her first marathon ever. Like, one year after giving birth and ran, like, a 4.28 after basically not having run at all for two years because of the kids. Good for her. Uh, Yeah. And, like, she's bounced back much faster than I have. (laughs) And the, the thing I am glad I did was, like, I set cascading goals in my mind going into the run. So, like, a goal was beat four hours but if I can't do that the beagle is to uh you know beat my last time of 423 so I did do that and the C goal was like just give it all you have finish like don't don't do anything stupid but like you know you set out to run 26.2 run 26.2 yeah. and get the full experience so I'm I'm currently listening to Matt Frazier's Hard Work Pays Off. Oh, yeah. Uh, audiobook, H- HWPO. Any good? And it's been really good. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's really direct, and it's about training principle. I was afraid it was
1: going to be, like, overly about, like, well, as a young boy in Vermont. And yeah. It's, Froning's book was kind of like that. Rich Froning's book. Yeah. No, he's, I mean, Fraser's written this mostly as a
0: training manual. Okay. And for that for that it's been really fascinating and it's got like a lot of stuff that crosses over into whatever you're doing. But one of the things he talks about, uh, which falls in line perfectly with that A goal, B goal, C goal, is just like the idea of his personal podium. You know, going into everything and like so that you can keep yourself motivated and like where do you land? So before you go into it, like, yeah, you have you know, are you going to podium? And if the the failure is not hitting any of your goals. So you can still be proud to, like, get on the podium if you've got, like, your bracketed goals in mind. Yeah. And, you know, obviously he's like a nothing but first guy, but he can only be that way about an overall competition. He, I mean, he damn near did, but even he's yeah, not right. going to win every single event, right? So... I, I kind of stumbled on that principle ahead of time and it made all the difference. Like yeah. I didn't even, even though it was basically like nine miles of running with cramps, yeah. it didn't feel in the moment like it was long at all. I was upset. I was disappointed, but because I'm seeing the time trickle away, it felt like time was flying.
1: Yeah, that makes like, sense.
0: Like I could not move fast enough, right? Yeah, and so like that idea of like, okay, I'm not gonna get there, but I I got this 20 minute buffer to get in front of my old time. Yep, it kept me moving. It got me across it, and ultimately, like I gotta put a new PR time on my little board in the gym. There you go. Right.
1: Yeah, I know what 12 miles feel 12 uh, 12 minute miles feels like from Run 21. Back in June yeah. when when I would take Ripkin it was like eleven to twelve minutes and it is a slow pace. You yeah. feel like I you feel yeah. like you know when you're you know when you're like driving and you see somebody who's you know, they they're like seventy or eighty years old and they're out there jogging and you're like, Hey man, just walk. <laughs> just yeah. like look this looks like it's harder for you to hold the running form than just walking.
0: Oh yeah. That's what it feels no, like. No, it's it's super slow and it's weird to be like running at that pace. And this is what I got. Yeah, no, I get it.
1: I get it. Well, so. good deal, man. Well, lessons learned, and, um, you know, we collectively have a an upcoming Spartan run. Now that they're not as in vogue anymore, we're doing them post-cool. I think you could give me,
0: I was looking at this Spartan run. Yeah. I think
1: I'll be pretty pleased if I can beat you. Oh, here's my thing about these kind of runs. I would gladly just hold tight with the pack. Me, you, Quint, anybody else decides to go. And that way, you know, we get to see each other flub on the obstacles. Or eh, succeed on the obstacles. And I mean, you know. Well, this is my... Yeah. Or I'll just destroy no, you. No, go ahead. Whatever. I'll just destroy you. Either way, whatever you want me to do, like, I'll do it. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, I'm going to be confident about the running
0: because I'm I'm going to... I'm running a 10K road race in April that yeah. I'm going to get back up to speed for. And so I'm just going to do a bunch of speed work, which I'm excited about. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think before running this marathon, I kind of undervalued, like, it, you run in every sport. Like, the guys who can run, and you see this in, especially now watching all this football, like, just being able to run well, incredible physical gift. Yeah, it is. And like it's a skill you can you can really dial up. And like I feel great when I can run well. It, like it bleeds into everything. So like I'm really excited about just like focusing on the speed of it all. But looking at this Spartan race and some of the obstacles, I think you veteran crossfitters are going to have a real <laughs> edge. Just simple things like the the rope climbs or like monkey bars, like all that grip work and climbing. It's like that stuff's going to be really tough for me. Yeah,
1: It'll be fun, though, because you, you've done one. Oh, have you done one before? No, you, you watch the guys run the Tough Mudder. I remember <laughs> yeah. that. You were, your, a, you were wearing your Budweiser onesie.
0: <laughs> yeah, I did. I did a. Uh, gosh, his. It's it's one of these off-brand ones, but it's like a 5K, like, muddy-buddy type of run. Yep, yep, And it yep. did not go well.
1: It'll be fun. It's nice, you know, there's there's enough yeah. space, it's like five miles between obstacles, or f- like half a mile, quarter mile between obstacles, so it's kind of yeah. like a very fast-paced run. So I'll be interested, because I'm, you know, I'll do some training of running coming up to it, and... We should all be able to hold? We should all be able to hold a decent pace and stick together, and then, you know, yeah, check out the obstacles. But, yeah, man, well, good deal. Well, should we? Uh, I think our I think our segment, our, our recommendations, because I don't have, we don't have a card, right? No, we we flushed through the pack, so we'll uh, we'll figure out that segment as we shape up twenty twenty two, but. I think our recommendations. I have a a recommendation that I know you're passionate about. You're the one that encouraged me to read it, so we should just dive into the recommendations. What do you think? Let's do it. So, uh, I'll let you hit it. Here we go. It's uh, Shoe Dog, a memoir by Phil Knight, founder of Nike. Uh, It's it took. Admittedly, it took me uh, probably, I don't know. Almost six months, seven months to finish it, even though it's book of the year, <laughs> quite possibly one of the easier reads that I've ever had. But when I lose momentum, I lose momentum. <laughs> like You know, and now also, you know, we're doing the you know, we're trying to get through the Bible in in a year. And so I spend a lot of time listening to the Bible app, getting through the, getting through my required readings. Plus the podcast. But anyway, and plenty of excuses. Yeah, you're a busy guy. I'm a bit. Bu- I'm a busy guy. And sitting down to read does not happen except for at bedtime when I get about you know thirty minutes. But the book was fantastic, um, even if you're not, even if you're not into like Nike or don't care about shoes, it's really just a very well told story about just pursuing the whatever it is you want to pursue. I had no idea that Nike basically almost went out of business, like probably 15 20 times and the level of like anxiety that this guy probably felt like i'm sitting there reading it feeling anxiety and you know more than all what i take out of it is a lot of times when it comes to like work or life decisions i tend to overthink you know the the, the cost mm-hmm. of action or inaction is high for me and it it, it lays it out like no it's not <laughs> like you do something, if it was the wrong thing, as long as it wasn't like massively illegal, well, then you just, you, you did it with the right intentions. And if you did it with the right intentions, ultimately it ends up being fine, one way or the other, right? And so, you know, as I, I don't expect that I'm going to be a multi billionaire and create a revolutionary shoe clothing company. Uh, but I didn't read it for that. And it turns out it's not really about that. I mean, it is really cool to see how they came about, but um it was good It was really good and very well written
0: yeah that that's the first thing that i've read it twice now and the first thing that jumped out at me it's like i was looking for like the the shadow author because it's such a well-told story it's, and i'm sure yeah. there's some embellishment and there's some clipping but like that's kind of the nature of Nike, right? It's just a running shoe. But is it? I mean, their their slogan was just do it. Yeah. And they would say things like, you know, just get out on the road. And what's that have to do with like moving sweatpants? Yeah. <laughs> but they move a lot of sweatpants. Uh-huh. Like there's something about Phil Knight that inherently understands the connection between like activity, lifestyle and identity. And he wraps that all up in a narrative that is just so clean, easy to read, and pretty powerful. Easy to relate to. I think the biggest lesson, like the thing I think about all the time in relation to that book is just optimize for growth, optimize for growth and it's like what whatever is going on like how can i build more capacity like the the world will tell you when you need to pare back and like i've i've hit that several times where it's like i've tried to pile on too much but i never have regrets about that i like i think that you know if the if the nature of wisdom is knowing what we don't know the only way you gain more is by living on the boundaries of yourself mm-hmm. and like pushing into those fringes and Phil Knight essentially did that for 25 plus years as he built Nike Yep. until finally it was just like they got that public offering and like overnight he went, you know, not from being broke but essentially all his money was going right back into the company to one of the richest men in the world. Right. And I I do think there's something like that that is similar to my experience, whether it's, you know, working on getting control of my life, working on my fitness. Uh, shoot, even to some degree, like when I think about like me and Katie's relationship is like it felt like work until, you know, it didn't. And then it felt like we were working together. Yeah. You know so I just think like all that focus on like expansion which was what he made that company all about which is why to the outsider it looks like a, a bottle rocket shooting straight up it's actually the smartest way to figure out how to work harder and it's it's a better inside look into some of the like Silicon Valley tech cliches you hear like move fast and break stuff fail and pivot like all that yeah. stuff
1: yeah no, it's just like, how do I, how do I keep growing? Yeah, it's funny because, you know, in, in my, my role right now, it's, it's, you know, it's an, it's an account manager, but it's definitely, you know, it's unique in that we get to really operate at the, at the up and coming of what Cisco has to offer. Um, You know, and my manager tells me all the time, she's like, she's like, go like she said i don't care if you break things just go figure it out go try something go break something Mm -hmm. and telling that to someone who is (laughs) moderately risk averse like yeah but you know if i break it then i gotta fix it but you know this type of story this type of um anecdotal um telling it's like well what is the worst that could happen you know, well, he
0: makes it sound fun, doesn't he?
1: Yeah. What, 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 what like him and his friends would have like retreats and they'd call each other butt faces. <laughs>
0: yeah. it, it actually well, reminded it me a like lot of the
1: old Sageworks retreats.
0: <laughs> me too. I was thinking the same thing.
1: Yeah. Like, man, I should have called somebody Which a butt face. Have, <laughs> have I
0: ever told the story of my first memory of Tommy Cooksey on this podcast? Oh boy. It's
1: short. Is it safe? Is it safe for work?
0: Oh yeah. Totally safe. Okay. Totally safe. We're, of course, I don't know who you are yet. I'm in my first day at Sageworks and it happens to be this company retreat. I got there the night before we wake up, we drive, and it's day one of the retreat. So we're all sitting in the, this room at the hotel conference room and there's maybe what, 70 of us? Sounds all the right. yeah. anybody related to the CPA sales stuff. Yep. And Tim Edge is up there giving a presentation. He uses one of your calls as a demonstration of, like, maybe it was a mistake. Maybe it's how a call should go. I forget the point of the call. Yeah. And when he stops, he goes, okay, anybody want to tell me what the best part of that call was? And immediately you said, yeah, my voice. <laughs> just like full of swagger oh man and i was like up at the back of the room i was like man this guy must be the big gosh, swinging dude. dick here <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh that is the epitome of a lost boy oh my gosh dude and you know i have no it's recollection right. of saying that no recollection of yeah. it you know it so another it's funny that you say that because i'm annie and I have been watching uh dope sick on hulu which, oh, if, you, yeah. if you haven't, it's it's dark, it's heavy, you know, it's about uh, the opioid addiction and, and how it really devastated the uh, rural parts of, of America. Is
0: that Michael Keaton?
1: Michael Keaton. There he is. He plays a great role. So good. As you'd expect, though, for the original yeah. Batman. Well, not the original. The original movie Batman. Um, but... You know, you're looking at they show it from the perspective in some cases of like the um, Purdue Pharma sales reps. And like they're in these sales meetings and they're like their trainings are kind of bending truths and teaching you how to like overcome the objections. And, you know, you start to see these people making a ton of money and they're just getting, you know, they're full of like and you're like, you can see how that would happen. Like, I don't think those people were inherently evil. You know, now the people that created the drug, maybe they bent some rules and, you know, whatever, maybe inherently evil. But your your average salesperson at a what would appear to be like a hot new product. You can if, if you ever if you've ever lived in like a sales environment of any capacity, you get it. You understand it.
0: 100 percent. So yeah, I I have a real hard time blaming the foot soldiers in any historical context it's like we're we're so susceptible to group context yeah that look like people who have done wrong in a group i'm not saying that they're absolved but like that's almost what i would expect like whether it's a sales team like an infantry troop you know even growing up as a kid in a gang or like bullying somebody because you're part of like some team in school and it's like well that's what people around you were doing i would say that is the norm and to opt out and do the right thing like to quit your job or to not be friends with the people who act that way like that's the heroic thing yeah so like i i don't think that the individuals look sometimes right Sometimes people know exactly what they're doing and they do it anyways. Yeah. But for the most part, you know, it's the yuppie defense. It's like, yeah, you know, i was just doing my job. Yep.
1: Yep. Anyway, so what I do you want got? To check out dope sick. It's good. Apparently, uh, so I, 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 well, I talked to somebody real quick. Just a side note that apparently the book is well, no surprise. The book is even better. I didn't even know it was a book. No. <laughs> I didn't know it was a book, but now I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put it on my list. Apparently, the audio book is really good, so I'm gonna check. uh 2019 so maybe it's on libby i'm gonna check
0: that uh that just sounds so much to me like a headline from the onion smart friend informs (laughs) you that book is even better
1: oh that's so true that's so true let's see thanks buddy (laughs) thanks for the update well look at that look at that it's on libby don't even touch it don't you dare (laughs) i'm reserving that right away you can wait two weeks
0: (laughs) I don't. I don't know if there's ever been. Uh, this would be a, a good thing to run down. Like, what adaptations were better than the books? Yeah, it's right. got to be a short list. <clears throat> All right. Well, yeah. I'll just second that recommendation. Shoe Dog is excellent. I've read it twice. I I hounded Tommy. Yep. To read Shoe Dog, I ran him down and hounded him. He did. To read Shoe Dog. Uh, my recommendation is Athletic Brewing Company.
1: Oh, interesting. You've heard of this. Come on. Right next to Monster Energy Drink, it's the number one drink of CrossFit athletes. (laughs) You're
0: you're in the community.
1: So uh, I
0: had been interested in this. So I've, I've had a few N.A. beers since... Like I, NA, I still NA edge away being non alcoholic, right? Non alcoholic. Yep. yep. Non alcoholic beer. So athletic brewing is a they focus on making the healthiest non alcoholic beer possible that still tastes like great beer. Um and so I first heard of it by following Matt Frazier on Instagram. Like Tommy said, it's in the CrossFit community. Yeah, They actually uh, were giving out uh free athletic brewing at the uh the registration at the Disney Marathon too. Okay. So we picked up a couple there as well. But uh Katie got me I don't even know if you'd call it a case, like what ships four six packs, like mm-hmm. a sampler. hmm Uh a little bit prior to Christmas. And so like I'll I'll break one open when I'm grilling or like gonna watch a Chiefs game. Mm-hmm. Uh so I've I still hesitate to say like in sobriety because like I I mean I guess I mostly am I'm, I don't really ever drink. Yep. Uh So but there were things that I was wondering if I was missing. Like not and not in the way like you miss partying or miss going out, but There's something redeemable that we are building around like the societal habit of drinking about like, why do we do it? What's, what are we getting out of it? Like, what is the positive that makes us incur like the, the dehydration and the hangovers? And I think most people would just be like, well, it's, you just have a blast, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Like you're just having a good time, but I think there's some other stuff there. So like Katie and I have been talking about this, kicking it around and, so I'd have, like, an N.A. beer if we went out to a steakhouse or something. And, like, it was kind of nice. Like, I definitely still enjoyed the taste of a beer. Yeah. And so uh, she got me this, and I started, like, having one now and then. And then, like, Katie had one the other night, and it was like, wow, this, this actually tastes... This is, like, a good beer. So the the baseline of the recommendation is if you're looking for an N.A. beer... I have been impressed. I've had uh, their hazy IPA, their IPA, uh, their extra dark, and their, like, golden ale. They've all been fantastic. Interesting. They taste great. Okay. And, like, there is definitely something in the ritual that is, like, I don't know, 80. Like, it's not the same as, like, drinking beer and catching a buzz. Yep. But it's the exact same as drinking one beer. <laughs> That's true. Like <laughs> it's the exact same. And it it feels good. Like whatever the thing you get out of a beer that isn't directly related to the alcohol content, yeah. It's all there. It's like I'm going to I'm going to grill a steak and drink a beer and not have to engage with anything else. For the next 20 minutes. Yeah. Or I'm going to sit over, down and watch the football You're overcooking your game. steaks.
1: You're overcooking your steaks, bro. <laughs> well, I'm preheating
0: the grill. I'm, you, kidding, you, I'm kidding. You act like it. <laughs> I, hey, I've got a very detailed recipe for the way I approach my yeah. steak. Oh, yeah, me too. Got it from <laughs> Doug Murray. So you know it's the, good. Uh, oh, yeah. It probably comes with a full marinade. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> the... But, like, that same thing, like, I'm sitting down and watching this football game, and, like, the kids are down, and I'm going to crack into one. Like, I'll I'm say it's, it's 90% of what I'd, I'd expect to get at with none of the downsides, so you can make an argument that's, that's
1: 100%. What? But. What took so long? <laughs> like, what, what for, took so For an N.A. beer? Like, to be good. Like you, you see people like, oh yeah, uh, I got some Oduls. Like Oduls is probably trash. I've never drank it before, but like it's probably not very good. It's so average. But, yeah, but yeah. like, what, what took so long for someone to say, yeah, people like IPAs, but some people don't want the alcohol. I think. Uh,
0: I still think there's something to. Like, a Coca Cola tastes better than an IPA. but that's kind of my point. It's, it's not the same thing. Like when you want a beer, you want a beer. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's a different thing. And so Katie and I were talking about it because she's like, is it weird if we're the people that get like really into NA beer? She's getting like ads now for like non-alcoholic wine. She's like, is that, is that weird? And My thinking is like, maybe it's a little weird, but in 10 years, it'll be less weird because I think what's happening to people is we get a more holistic understanding of our health and happiness is we're starting to understand we can get most of what we thought we were manufacturing with the drug. We can get most of it out of like routine and habit and like social interaction. And I guess this is the other side of it. I think a lot of people connect like their social, especially our age, right? They connect their social happiness with the idea of like having a beer. Like even think of like if you were gonna like try to hang out with a guy, make a new guy friend. Yeah, you wanna drink yeah, some we should soda get together sometime? Have a beer. Yeah, yeah. Right. It just sounds weird, right? But like, I think most of what we're getting, like that kick and that dopamine, when we start thinking about it, it's connected to the things around it. Right. And that's what I mean by like the 90%, like you like sitting down for a game with nothing else going on. And like that, that I'm cracking into a beer is also a sign of I'm disconnecting from the usual responsibility that weighs down my life. Uh And so I think people are, are understanding that's a little less about the drug and a little bit more about the, the routine and the, the context tied to that routine and it'll become less weird now, look booze is doing fine yeah, but it's, it's, it's big, not going big anywhere. booze is okay
1: they're, they're yeah. big milk like, big milk's still doing okay, um, but
0: I definitely think there's something there, and the market is expanding, so and well, I've know, enjoyed it
1: you know what I am uh I saw i you know now you've mentioned it, I saw Varga posted something about it. I think my brother mentioned it too, maybe he did. I'm gonna grab, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna grab a six pack. Maybe this weekend.
0: It's a good beer, man. Yeah, Katie said uh, she was looking. They sell it at Total Wine. Yep. That's Harder to find in other places, but
1: you know, yeah, give it a shot. I like it. I like it. Well, this has been fun. I'm All glad right, Athletic back Brewing
0: my... and Shoe Dog. There we go. Great. They pair out. nicely. Uh. Yeah, man, we'll we'll get some structure back into this thing. Get some new guests for 2022. Oh yeah, and the Jog uh, Father,
1: maybe some football experts. Oh
0: yeah, I just can't wait to. I would love to get Dan Casey on here and just let him tell me all about why Andy Reid is a brilliant offensive mind, and maybe he'll throw me a curveball. Maybe he'll say it's more about Eric enemy. I don't know.
1: <laughs> not Well, hook it up. Let's do it.
0: What. <laughs> I want to get into the the details.
1: Yeah, we'll X's see we the X's and O's. The X's and O's. All right, man. Well, hey, I'll All see right you then. tomorrow morning. Yeah, yeah, I'll be there. All right. I'll see you then. Peace. All right. Later. Later, dude. <laughs>